Hello, welcome to Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We are so glad you tuned into this broadcast today. We are going to get into the Word of God together here in just a moment. We've got some exciting things to share with you. And if you'll listen, if you'll open up your heart, your eyes and your ears, I believe the Word of God has the power to change your life. All right, let's get into the Word together and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. When the heart is hard, it won't sink in. And that is most of the world. You could fit nearly the entire world in that category right there. People who have no value for the things of God. People who don't have time for him, many of which don't even acknowledge his existence. And if they do, they don't really know of his goodness and they're not pursuing him in faith and expectation. They hear it and it just doesn't sink in. That's what Jesus said. They don't understand it. The value of it's not getting in and Satan comes and steals it. It's like they never heard it. But then he started talking about that stony ground and, and progress is made. And this is where the group gets smaller. These are people who actually heard the word and then responded to it. Not just responded, but responded in, does anybody remember? Joy. Woo. Good word, preacher. And there were people out there, amen in Jesus that day. Mm, good word. I like that. That's good. Preach that. Say that. Come on, somebody. Right? <laughs> Getting excited about the word. But Jesus said, there are those who receive it with joy, but if it's shallow, if they're shallow, it sprouts up right away. But when the heat gets turned up, when the pressure's on, when Satan comes with trouble, immediately they're offended immediately. So they were quick to believe that's good, but they were also quick to quit immediately. They got offended, which just means they disconnected, separated from it, said, I don't want anything to do with that. And it didn't produce anything. Shallow people are people who are easily offended. That's God's definition of shallow. God's definition of depth, deep people are those who are rooted and grounded in love and will not be offended. Choose not to be offended. Even when opportunity is right in front of them to be offended. And it would be so easy to be offended. Deep people are rooted. And they don't care what's going on above the surface. Because those roots, remember we talked about this? Planted by that river of living water. Even if it's hot up here, I'm tapped in underneath here to this unending flow being watered by the river. That's deep people. So then we come to this uh, last kind of ground before the good ground. And Jesus talked about thorny ground. And he said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, he said, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Mark's account adds these words, the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. He said, when they enter in, when they enter in, they choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful. These are the ones who heard the word among thorns. Now follow the progression. Everybody fits in here somewhere. 
But I don't believe it's equally divided. I don't believe that 25% of the population are, work, are wayside. 25% are stony ground. 25% are thorny ground. 25% are good ground. I don't think it's that at all. I mean, I couldn't possibly put numbers to it, but I would say that most of the world is wayside. Some are stony. But then you've got this sown among thorns. Follow the progression. You had those that didn't receive it at all, didn't respond to it at all, and they didn't believe. That's people who heard the word, but they didn't respond in faith, and they're not saved. But then you've got this other group, smaller. They did hear it. They did respond to it. But like we said, offense got in, so they disconnected from it. But then you've got this next group. And I believe each time it's getting smaller and smaller. What you have on this ground are people who heard the word and actually had some depth. People who allowed the word of God to get in their heart and take root and actually begin to sprout up. These are not unresponsive people. These are people who received it, received it with joy. These are not easily offended people. Even though opportunity came, they weren't offended. They stayed rooted. They stayed grounded. See, can you see why this group's getting smaller and smaller? When you're talking about the population of the planet, this is a relatively small group of people. And yet, the word's not producing. We got to pay so close attention today, folks. Because this is where the church is confused. This is where people look at those who didn't receive, who didn't get what they were believing for. And other people look at it and say, how? Why? Here's somebody that, man, they've been walking with God. This is somebody who responded to his word and, and actually gave God time to let him get grounded in him and grounded in his love. This is not an easily offended person. I've never heard this person say one bad thing about anybody else. And yet, and yet, this is where confusion gets in. Now, remember what the guard does? Keeps things out that belong out and keeps things in that are supposed to stay in. Jesus said, these are the ones that are sown among thorns. And he called, these are the things he called thorns. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Now here's the key word. When these things entering in, something else got in something else. Now, this is what you don't know is going on in somebody's life. You can see the outward display of their love for God. You can see all that, but you don't know whether or not something else got in. Something else. The problem with the wayside, it didn't sink in. That's why it didn't produce. The problem with the stony ground is it didn't take root. The problem with the thorny ground is something else got in. Something else. I want to take you back in time to the book of Genesis. That's pretty early on, right? 
Look at Genesis chapter two with me. Something else got in. Now Jesus said that the thorns choked out the good seeds. He said they choked out the good seeds and they become unfruitful. Now this means that the potential to produce, listen, the potential to produce was right there. Or maybe even perhaps this seed had started, started to produce something. It had taken root, it had sprouted up, it had actually begun to produce, but it didn't yield a crop because something else got in, got in the ground and began to choke it, to choke it. Now to choke, listen to this. To choke literally means to crowd, it means to drown, or it means to throng, or to suffocate. That's what the word choke means. It's the exact same word that was used to describe the crowd the day that Jesus came back over the other side of the lake, and when he got out, it said the multitude thronged him. Same word translated choke. They pressed in, to, in around him so tight that it was suffocating. He couldn't move. That's, the, that's the, the, the picture that this word paints. You remember when the, that woman with the issue of blood dug through that suffocating crowd just to get a hold of the hem of his garment. And that's why he said, who touched me? And they said, everybody did. They were all choking him, thronging him. That's this word. And he identified these thorns as uh, the cares of this world. Is it possible to get choked by anxiety, cares? Could you be choked by the deceitfulness of riches? What about drowning in obsession for other things? What did he mean other things? Anything other than him being obsessed with it on your mind all the time. He said, when these things enter in, they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now watch this. Every one of these things, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust or the desire for other things, every one of them, listen to me, are a provision problem. Provision problem. Cares of this world. How does that show up? What am I going to do? Listen to these words. What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to pay for this? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Can you hear where the pressure is? I. What about the deceitfulness of riches? That lie that says, if you just had a little more, everything would be okay. Everything would be fine and you'd be happy with a little more. And then you get it and then what? Oh, but if you just had a little more. So it manifests like this. How can I make a living? How can I get my hands on that? How can I get a little more and a little more and a little more? It's a provision problem. What about the lust or the desire for other things? What other things? I don't know. Maybe what he's got, what she's got. Ooh, mm, I want that. How can I get a hold of that? What do I have to do to get that? I need that. Oh, I'd be happy if I had that. I'd be content if I had that. It's a provision problem. Really, more specifically, it's not a provision problem. It's a provider problem. 
Jesus called these things thorns. Now there's a couple of places in scripture where thorns show up in a big way. In the book of Genesis chapter two, uh, let's look at verse eight. Genesis chapter two, verse eight. We'll have this on the screen for you, I believe, but it says this, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. The Lord God planted a garden. Now, without going back through the whole Genesis account, you know what happened. God spoke. Here come words. This is how God does everything. Words. He created with words. He spoke into darkness and the light overcame it because of what was in the word. And day after day after day, word after word after word, it created. And check this out. It's still creating. Light is still expanding right now at 186,000 miles a second because he said, light be. It's still happening. It's still creating. Words did that. And you remember what happened? He got to the end of every day and he looked at it and he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. In day three, he saw that it was good. In four and five, he saw that it was good. Day six, he saw that it was good. Day seven, he saw that it was holy. Holy. He called it holy. Rest. That day of separation. Not just good. He called it holy. And he planted this garden. The Bible says he planted a garden eastward of Eden eastward and in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground, verse nine, what have we been talking about for weeks now? The ground out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. We just take this stuff for granted. God could have put any system in place to provide for us. He could have done anything. It could have fallen out of the sky. He could have had angels delivered it, deliver it. He could have done anything to put in motion a system of provision. What did he do? He put it in the ground. He put it in the ground. I know we're just like, yeah, duh, we get it. Trees, right? No, no, no. Go back to before any of that. He saw that this was going to be good. Let's do it this way. He put it in the ground, but notice this. He put in the ground and caused every tree to grow out that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I meditated this for two weeks. These last two weeks going, Lord, what does that mean? Why did you say that? Why do I need to know it's pleasant for the sight? I get food you're providing. Man, it it went off in me. I was sitting in the living room just a few days ago and we've got a window that looks out and we've got trees, a lot of trees out there and the mountains in the distance. And I was like, Lord, what is it about these trees being pleasant to the sight? And I just happened to look out the window and it hit me. Those trees aren't doing anything for me except being pretty. That's it. And that's all they were intended to do. Now I get it. I know they're taking in carbon dioxide and spitting out oxygen. I get all that, but I'm not going and picking fruit off of every limb of every tree in the world. There's a lot of them that are out there to do one thing, show you how big God is, show you how wonderful he is. And he put it there. Yes, he put food there. Here's your provision. 
But here's your pleasure. I just want to bless you with these. And that's foreign to us because we've let other things in. This is what the Lord convicted me on this week. He said, you have let TV entertain you in a way my creation was supposed to. It's cheapened the whole thing. Do you know that you and I are supposed to be able to sit on a porch for hours and rest and say, look how good God is. And you're like, well, that sounds boring because you let something else in. Because I let something else in. He created so much of this for you to just look at. And the Bible talks about it. Everything, all the invisible attributes of him can be easily seen. If you just look at it. There's more to that. Wow. We need to be able to sit and look at it. And of course, he said the tree of life was in the middle of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the middle of the garden. Look at verse 15. He said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. I want this on the screen. Put this up there for me. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden. I want you to read this next part with me. To tend and, and what? And what? Keep it. What do you know about keeping something? Even in perfection, man had a job. Even in an untouched, curseless environment, man had a job. He put him in the garden with the job to tend it. You look that up and it literally means to serve it. Even before the fall of man, we were called to serve. Serve it and, and keep it. Look the word up. You know what it means? Guard it. From what? Even in perfection, something else is trying to get in. Guard it. Now, we don't know how long. We read it in a few verses and it gives the impression that God finished on Saturday and by Wednesday, you know, Adam had blown this whole thing and ah. Uh. But you don't know that. You don't know how long he kept the guard up. You don't know how long he fellowshiped with God. You don't know how long he served it and served it well and guarded it and kept things out that didn't belong in and kept things in that didn't belong out. But one day, the guard came down and Satan came. Something else got in and he started talking to Eve. And he said, what did God tell you about this? What did he say? What were his words? And she said, well, he said, don't eat it. Don't touch it. And that day you're going to die. And Satan said, no, 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 no. Listen, I know he said that. Attend to these other words. He knows you're not going to die. He knows that in the day you eat of it, you'll be like him. The first lie ever told. What was the lie? You're not yet like him. They already were. Created in his image. Here's the lie. 
Here's another word. Something else is getting in. And you know the story. You know it because it's your story. It's my story. She ate of it, gave it to Adam. He ate of it and immediately shame set in. Something changed because something else got in. Because something got in the ground. Because the guard came down and something else got in. Immediately their eyes were opened. They saw that they were naked. They were un uncovered. The glory of God that had clothed them and there was no sense of guilt or shame. Immediately it set in on them. And you know this whole thing. Genesis, fast forward to chapter three. And God comes looking for Adam, comes looking for Eve. He calls to him. They were hiding because they were afraid. Adam began to blame Eve. Like I said, it's your story. <laughs> it's my story. Always looking for somewhere else to shift the blame. And he's blaming her. And God said, what about it? She starts blaming the serpent. God speaks to the serpent, tells him what's in his future. But he says to Adam in verse 17, Genesis chapter three, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, because you let something else in. You've eaten from the tree, which I commanded you saying, you will not eat of it. Cursed the first time human ears ever heard that word, ever familiarized themselves with that concept. It had been nothing but blessing. God had been the provider. God put it in the ground. He told the ground to do it. Ground, produce for them. Ground, reproduce. Give them what they need. Ground, give them what they want to look at. Ground, give them what they need to feed on. But then he said, because you let something else in, cursed is the ground for your sake in toil. You want to know what this word means? Worrisome labor. Worrisome. Sound like cares? In toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles, it'll bring forth for you. What's a thorn? Never before. But because of the curse, do you notice this? The very first thing that showed up in fallen creation was a thorn. A thorn. In thorns and thistles, you'll, uh, it, it, the earth will bring forth for you. You will eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. Man, don't you know Adam just looked back at God and said, what sweat? This man had never sweat for anything. He'd never been his own provider. Grace had always provided. God put it in the ground, told the ground what to do. His job was never work for a living. His job was never sweat it out, blood, sweat, and tears. His job was never to come to the end of a day and say, look what I've made. What was his job? Guard it. You had one job, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. 
From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit PearsonsMinistries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.